You'd stand with me. I'm going to be reading today's passage, a brief but powerful passage in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, we'll begin at verse 11, 11 through 13. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. This is God's Word. Please be seated. Well, church, when Paul begins this passage by saying, this was according to, you've got to immediately ask in your Bible study, well, what is the this he's referring to? And in the previous passage, this is what he talked about, we saw last week, was that God uses the church to display His glory throughout the universe. And he says this use of His sovereign glory, this was in accordance with His eternal purpose, which has been realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, what makes this significant is to remember what Paul is doing, what are his circumstances, as he is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus. Paul is 700 miles west in the Roman Empire, in the capital of the Roman Empire, and he is a prisoner of Rome. And this all had started because Paul has this ministry to the Gentiles, and that created a big stir when he was in Jerusalem. And the Jewish authorities had him, you know, arrested, and ended up he had to appeal to Caesar, made this dangerous shipwreck, and that's why he's in Rome in a prison cell. Now, he could be lamenting and complaining and really whining about, you know, why am I in prison? Here I am serving God with all my heart, and this is what happens, and, you know, where is God? And he could also be talk, complaining about the logistics of the place, that, you know, the food is bad, the, the prison is cold, the, the shackles don't fit right. But rather, he sees God, and he sees God at work. He sees the sovereign, eternal God at work in his life, and in the universe. And so, writing from this prison, he could look up above his circumstances, and he could think about God at work. He could say, this is all happening according to the eternal purposes of God realized in Christ Jesus. Now, in our challenges and problems and struggles that we all face, we can do the same thing. We can wallow in our problems, complaining and whining, or we can look up and see the sovereignty of God working good out of hard things, tough things, but God is at work bringing good out of it. In the passage, he's going to underscore, in fact, all along in the book of Ephesians, underscore the sovereign working of God. Now, to say that, sovereign, that God is sovereign, to say that God is is, is king, that God rules, that God is in charge of the universe, and everything that happens, including what he allows or what he brings into your life, even if it's hard. This is a vivid memory I've got as a young Christian. I'm 22, 23 years old, and I'm in Madisonville, my hometown, uh, for a brief time, and, and I run into a very godly man in the town at, at the church on Sunday. His name is Ernest McCollum. He's probably 25 years older than me, and he's a man who knows God. And I understand that Ernest's 20-year-old son, Daniel, has been in an accident so that his eye has been injured, and I'm talking with Ernest, how is your son doing? And he tells me 
that it looks like Daniel is going to lose his eye. And then he immediately says to me, but the father is still on his throne. And 40 years later, I can still see the gleam in his blue eyes and the peace written all over his face. An 18-year-old son who might lose one of his eyes, and yet he looks at me with confidence and with peace and with faith in God, but the father is still on his throne. And what Ernest was saying is that no matter what happens, God is still God, and He rules the universe, and He is good. And He's reflecting the truth of Romans 8.28 about the sovereignty of God and the suffering of our lives. And there we read, and we know, we don't guess, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to His purpose, even when your 18-year-old son might lose his eye. Because God is God. And the Father is still on His throne. Now let me ask you this morning, what are you going through that's hard right now? You're in life, so we all got problems and challenges and hurts and suffering. What tough thing are you going through? And do you have that same confidence in God, that same faith in God, that same peace in your heart that the Father is still on His throne? Or are you giving lip service to being a Christian and a follower of Christ, but practically in everyday life, you're living as an atheist? And the only opportunity you've got to trust God in all eternity, because these 70, 80, 90 years is all you got. For all eternity, you're not going to have faith. You're going to have sight. He's going to be right there. This is your one opportunity to trust God. Will you be a man or a woman who trusts God, or will you be a practical atheist? The Father is still on his throne. When I was a young pastor in Roseburg, Oregon, Gail and I were in Roseburg, and there was a young couple in the church, uh, Jim and Chris Lee. Jim was a great big guy, about 6'9", a great big guy, and, and he was a firefighter. And he told me this story once. He said, uh, I knew he had played football in college. He played at USC, Southern California, when USC was the best team in the, in the, in the nation year after year. He started as a defensive lineman his junior year, and uh, after the season, several professional teams had been t- talking to him about, you know, we are interested in you. We want to draft you. And he said the Dallas Cowboys was one of those teams. And this was, were, were, would be his dream, of course, to be able to, be, to play football in the NFL. And the first, and he'd been a starter his junior year. The first game his senior year, he hurts his shoulder, and he misses the rest of the season, and no one drafts him. And all of his dreams are shattered. And he ends up in a small town in Oregon uh, working as a firefighter. He said every starter on the defense that year at USC was drafted in the NFL that he had played for and started for the previous year. All of his dreams were shattered. Some years later, Jim was working as a firefighter, and something happened to his back that he needed a back surgery. And when the surgeon went in, surgeon like you, Alan, went in, he found some congenital problem that Jim had been unaware of. And he said to Jim later after the surgery, Jim, if you'd been hit in the wrong way playing football, you could have been paralyzed for life. And so 15 years later, after he went through probably the hardest thing of his life, he saw the mercy of God. 
and protecting him from a life with the NFL that he might have left him paralyzed. You know, God is working all things together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose, his sovereign purpose. So what heartache have you gone through or perhaps going through right now? Do you know that God is in the business of bringing good out of tragedy for those who will trust him and trust a sovereign God? There have been so many times, I guess, in my 35 or so years as a pastor that I've seen a couple in marriage go through the toughest crisis, sometimes even involving adultery. And if they will work through it, if they will humble themselves to forgive, as we just gave voice to in, in our prayer, that, uh, Lord, forgive us our debts as we've forgiven those who are our debtors. If they will do the hard work of forgiveness and humility and work through it, this is what so often happens, is that they go from a, a, a marriage that is just drifting along to mediocrity and worse into a thriving marriage. And God uses that tragedy to bring good for them. And that happens in all of life for those who trust God. Now, in most of those situations, we won't know until heaven how God was rescuing us and taking care of us and, and blessing us, but by faith, we trust it to be so now. For years of my life, I've struggled with a tough mental disease. Most of you at Wood's Edge, you know that. You've heard me talk about it. And I'm talking about a very painful disease that was so hard that sometimes for years, I was not sure I was going to make it. There were days in which I would weep with the mental pain. Those of you who experience mental pain know exactly what I'm talking about. And I could think about why in the world that God allowed that. And I don't know. I don't know. But I trust God's promise to me that he is going to work all things together for good for those who love God, and I trust him. What are you going through this morning, and are you reminding yourself that the Father is still on his throne? Would you say that with me, please? The Father is still on his throne. He is. And you've got the opportunity right now to trust God in your life, whatever is going on. So he says, you know, the eternal purpose of God are working out. I'm not preoccupied by my circumstance here in the prison or what's going on across the empire and, and, a, and, a, and an evil emperor, Nero, but I'm trusting the sovereignty of God. And then in light of that, he will say in verse 12, he will say, in whom, he just mentioned Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom, in him, we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So he's reflecting that with this sovereign, eternal God, We've got boldness to come in His presence at any time. We've got access with confidence, with joy, with freedom. It can be translated at any time. Now, that is so vital that we know that. And the reason that you and I have access to the holy God, we just sang about that God is holy, holy, holy. The Lord God Almighty, we, you know, He's the holy God. And the reason that you and I, though we're sinful men and women, have access is simply that Jesus Christ, His Son, died on a cross, and God at that point took all of your sins and placed them on Christ, and He paid for them in your place as a substitute. He paid for them, and so that God does not look at you anymore in your sin, but He looks at you in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You know, it's almost like this communion cup that we're going to pick up a little bit later. If you would take that cup and put it in your hand, 
and look through it, you can see your hand through the juice there. And that is a metaphor for how God looks at you through the blood of Jesus Christ, and you are washed whiter than snow by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is how God sees you, and that is how you are. And because of that, because He sees you, because you are completely forgiven, His much-loved blood-bought son, His much-loved blood-bought daughter, that you have access at any time to come into the, the presence of Almighty God, the Creator of the universe. Now, it was not always so. In fact, all through the Old Testament, there was such an emphasis on the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. And all those sacrifices, thousands upon ten thousands of sacrifices for sin. And in the temple, there was this special place called the holy place that only the priest could go to. And then there was a big, thick, six-inch curtain, 60 feet high. And that led into the holy of holies, or the most holy place. And only one priest went in there once a year, representing the sins of the people into the presence of the holy God. Just, just one time. And what was emphasized in the Old Testament, because we needed to understand this as, as humans, is the holiness of God and the distance between God and sinful man. But all that changed in Jesus Christ. Because when God himself steps out of heaven, comes as a man, and dies on a cross and pays for our sin, not a mile away in the temple that day, that curtain at the moment of Jesus' death was ripped in two from top to bottom. And God is saying, hey, I flung the way wide open into the presence of God. There is access to me through my son. And everything changed because of the death of Jesus Christ in our behalf. Everything, and we have access. We have access at any time. Now, God is still the holy God, but we're his sons and his daughters, and we can come at any time into his presence. You know, it, it, the way God wired me, I, I need quiet and kind of uh, getting alone to, to, to work on a message, to pray, to study. I just, that's how I'm wired. And so I prefer when I am working hard on a message or something that, you know, I'm kind of having uninterrupted time in my office. But if I heard a little faint knock on the door and there was this little person that came in, one of our four grandkids, do you know what I would do? I would light up in a big smile. And give, give my grandchild a big hug, because that's my grandchild. Do you know that God the Father, the Holy God, looks at you in the same exact way? Every time you come into His presence in prayer, in communion, uh, coming to worship in church, every time He lights up with a big smile. He loves to see you. Now, some of you don't believe that, because you have heard a lie all of your life. And here's the lie. This is what it goes. You have messed up so bad this week, you're not worthy of coming into the presence of God. I mean, you've sinned so much in your life that you're, you're not worthy. You don't deserve to take communion. Let all those other folks come there. You don't deserve to even worship at church and come into God's presence and, be, and to be used by God. That is Satan's strategy to keep you hiding from God, like Adam and Eve hiding in the garden, running from your papa. And what an evil, nefarious strategy of the enemy. And so, when you 
or wallowing in guilt and thinking, oh no, I've just been so bad lately. I can't even you know, go into God's presence. Then you recognize that as the scheme of the enemy because the Bible says we're not unaware of his schemes. This is one of them, one of his worst. And you recognize that as the scheme of the enemy and you do not listen. You say, uh, point him to the Bible that says that Jesus Christ, Colossians 2.13, has forgiven us all our trespasses. Point him to Romans 8.1 and say, I'm a Romans 8.1 Christian, which says there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Tell him that you are a Psalm 103 Christian that says as far as the east is from the west, that's about an infinite distance, there so far has he removed your transgressions from you. Now, that's pretty far, isn't it? What the Bible says, says that if you are in Jesus Christ, all of your sins have been completely forgiven. And so if Satan is telling you that you're not worthy, you're not good enough to, to enter the, the presence of God, just tell Satan where to go. And that you are a blood-bought, fully forgiven, much-loved child of the living God, and you're coming through the blood of Jesus. Tell him that every time. And don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Some Christians, I've been one of them, wallow in their guilt. They feel like if they you know, self-flagellate themselves enough that they're kind of atoning for the guilt. Are you kidding me? We're trying to atone for guilt that Jesus Christ has already paid for? As if the blood of Jesus Christ is not good enough to take care of my sins? I mean, what arrogance and pride that I'm so special that my sins are too big for the blood of Christ. That is not noble. That is a horrible insult to our God who sent his son to die for our sins. Be like Paul and David and be a champion of the grace of God. And that will motivate you to want to please him and to follow him and to love him. So, when you come into God's presence, don't come head hanging down, hangdog kind of a look. Come with a bouncing joy, like, like Amy Smalley would come in. Just bounce into his presence. <laughs> Papa, I'm here, and he will light up. All right, we've seen two movements of the, of the Scriptures here. We've seen the first movement, that no matter what we're going through, we don't have to focus on that problem and pain, but we see the sovereignty of God at work in our lives, and we know that the Father is still on his throne. And then we see that we've got 24-7 access. You know, you don't have access to the CEO of ExxonMobil. You don't have access to the CEO of United Airlines or the sports celebrities of our day or the president of the United States. We don't have access to those things. But to the holy God who with his mere breath creates the galaxies, you've got 24-7 access. Run on in. Run on in. The third and final movement comes in verse 13 when he says, So, in light of... All that we've seen here. So, I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Now, they know Paul is in prison. And that the reason he's in prison is because of his ministry to Gentiles, to non-Jews, like the church in Ephesus. And apparently, they had been really discouraged about that. I mean, even Paul is in prison? I mean, God's choice servant, the main ambassador of the gospel... God, what are you doing? You know, where are you? Why are you letting Paul suffer in prison? There's work to be done. And maybe they're even afraid for their own safety, that maybe they're next or something. 
and they were discouraged. And Paul says, don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart about my sufferings because they are your glory. You know, they were discouraged, but not Paul. Paul was never discouraged by his sufferings because he realized that the sovereign God was at work. The Father is on his throne, and he was redeeming it. He's going to bring glory. He's going to bring all kinds of good and peace and glory out of that suffering. Now, one of the things we see in the New Testament, and one of the reasons why we need to, to live in the Scriptures every day, to counteract some of those lies of this world, including the lies of the enemy, so we could, we could live in God's truth. It changes lives. And one of the reasons we need to do this is because all through the New Testament we see that suffering is the path to glory every time. How did Jesus experience the glory of the resurrection if not for the suffering of the cross? Suffering is the path to glory for God's people. Lately, I've been memorizing in Romans 5. And Romans 5 has this little section on glory and suffering. Romans 5, 2 says this, Through Him, through Christ, we have obtained access. By the way, that's the same word access as in our passage in Ephesians 3, 12. Same word. we got access to the God. Through Him, we've received access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And He just, you know, we rejoice in the glory of God that's coming. It's going to be so good. We can't imagine it. And we rejoice in that. So many Christians don't even think about the coming glory. Paul did. Rejoice in that glory. But he goes on to say in verse 3, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing, not guessing, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And a passage goes on talking about all the good things God's going to do in your life through suffering. Paul is saying, I not only rejoice in the glory to come, I rejoice in the suffering right now. A few chapters later in Romans 8, I think it's even stronger. Verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. We suffer now, and God is making us more like Christ. He's going to bring good for us, just like with Jim Lee. At times, we don't even know how. And then in 18... He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that has been revealed to us. Now, have you been allowing suffering in your life to overwhelm you lately? Have, have you been losing heart and discouraged because you are living like a practical atheist and not trusting that the Father is still on His throne? Paul says, the sufferings of this present time, they may seem big to you now, but they are not worth comparing with the glory that's been to be revealed to us. One more, even better, better in 2 Corinthians 4, 16. So we do not lose heart. Same exact verb as in our passage. We don't get discouraged. We choose not to be discouraged about the pain and suffering we're going through. That's how believers respond to suffering. That's the normal Christian life. If you're not living that way, that's not the normal Christian life. That is the abnormal Christian life, living just like any non-Christian who doesn't know that God is sovereign. And he says, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul is saying, this light momentary affliction, do you recall all the sufferings that Paul has gone through? 
how he has been beaten to a pulp time after time after time and left for dead and stoned, shipwrecked, going without food, going without drink, going without clothes, unjustly put in prison for two years now. He will eventually be beheaded by Emperor Nero. And he calls that this light momentary affliction. Way to go, Paul. Way to go. Compared to the glory that God has for us, it is light and that is weighty. It is momentary and that is eternal. Friends, practice your faith and let's live by faith. Let's trust God for the sufferings that we are going through right now, tomorrow, and yesterday. Getting a little carried away up here. (laughs) This is what people of faith do. Depend upon the Spirit of God to transform you. Don't come here this morning to be a hearer of, of the Word and not a doer. Depend upon God. Lord, transform me that I would live by faith like Paul did, like Ernest McCollum did, like others have down through the centuries, like many of my brothers and sisters are doing, that I would know with them that the Father is still on his throne and he's got glory for us. Three great truths in this passage, simple but profound and powerful. First of all, that God is on his throne Sovereign God working good out of bad things. Secondly, that we are free to come in the presence of our Papa at any time because the, the blood of Jesus washed us whiter than snow. And thirdly, never be discouraged by suffering. Not only somebody else's, but usually we're discouraged by our own suffering. Never be discouraged by suffering because God will bring glory through it and He'll redeem it. What's the Lord saying to you this morning? Where is He? Uh, pressing into your heart and your life because none of us have this down. I certainly don't have it down. What's he saying to you? Does it involve the present challenges and problems in your life? Maybe you've been to the doctor somewhat recently and you had a bad diagnosis, a scary diagnosis. Maybe you've got unrelenting back pain that's just, you know, almost too much for you. Maybe you've got a child, a teenager who is making some very bad decisions and it scares you to death. Maybe you've lost your job and you have the unrelenting financial pressure of debt. Those are hard things. Nobody likes suffering. But God is still on His throne and He will will redeem it and bring glory out of the suffering. Trust your sovereign God. Would you say with me one more time, That the Father, say it with me, the Father is still on His throne. Amen. Remind yourself all week. Stand with me, please. Lord, thank You that You're a sovereign God and You are good. Lord, I, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning. Whatever they're going through, whatever we're going through, Lord, may we trust You. And Lord, I pray You deliver people. I pray that You do miraculous deliverance and intervention, and rescue. But Lord, until that happens, no matter what happens, may we trust that you have got us in your arms. May we trust you, Lord. Friend, if you're here in the room and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you've never opened your heart to him, do so right now. Just breathe a prayer and say, Jesus, I need a Savior. Would you come save me? And he will. He will. You will look to a Savior on the cross and not to yourself to be good. Lord, thank you so much, so much. Amen.